Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Today we speak with Craig Parry, CEO of ISO Energy. They're a uranium junior on the TSXV with assets in the Athabasca. If you want to hear my opinions on the interview, do sign up to our Crux Investor Club, which you can find at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can find discussions, articles, uh, company reports, and courses, a thriving community of uh, respectful like-minded individuals. Uh, we also do summaries of all of our interviews on there, plus commentary from experts from all around the world on a variety of topics. So do check the link in the description below. Enjoy the podcast. Craig, how are you doing, sir? Good, Matt. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. I haven't spoken to you since April. You've been a busy boy. Have you had any uh, time for a bit of R&R? We took a few weeks off. We, we did, although, you know, a lot of work during our, our trip around British Columbia, but uh, yeah. had, a, had a great trip. British Columbia, wonderful place to live. And we've been lightly touched by COVID so far, so we're, we're very, very fortunate here. Seems seems to be. Well, I'm glad you managed to get a bit of, uh, of rest and relaxation in because it looks like you're going to be a busy boy the rest of this year. And you're about to tell us all about it. So uh, for people new to the story, you haven't heard your story before, give us that one-minute overview of the business and I'll pick it up from there. Sure. So, of course, we're a TSX Venture-listed uranium explorer spun out of Next Gen Energy uh, back uh, four and a half years ago. Uh, we've been exploring that eastern half of the Athabasca Basin uh, and building up a land position, uh, which we've successfully done now. And, of course, two years ago, back in 2018, we discovered the hurricane deposit which is the, the, the latest and fastest growing uh, high-grade uranium deposit in the Athabasca Basin and indeed in the world. Uh, very well supported by NextGen Energy. NextGen, of course, owns 53% of the company, contributing at every point along the financing path there. We just closed a financing that was backed by Queens Road Capital and Warren Gilman, who, of course, you, you know, ran Lee Cushing's CEF fund, which invested heavily into NextGen. Uh, and uh, and Warren's now become a supportive shareholder. So, you know, we're we're uh, very well positioned, I suppose, as we head into what we think will be a bullish phase of the uranium market with uh, capital and uh, and a great exploration project and discovery on our hands. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The, the macro situation, I think we discussed last time when we spoke in April, was just sort of beginning off the back of of, of COVID. Um, I exchanged a few thoughts with you then. You said to me um, that you had enough cash. 3.5 million bucks to last year to the summer and next year to 2021. You've just gone and taken 10 million bucks. Why? Well, when someone like Warren comes along and offers you $10 million, you, you know, you, you've really got to sit up and take notice of that. Of course, he's a strategic long-term investor. Uh, he's backed by, um, you know, his, his network of investors, but crucially three Aussie billionaires, Andrew Forrest, Gina Reinhart and Jack Cowan. Um, and those guys, of course, have great firepower to so support the development of a project and further investment along the path. So you've got to sit up and take notice, of course. You know, we were well-funded through towards the end of the year, uh, and you can always take that risk to get in and start drilling and, and hope that you can raise capital, but, but you know, to ensure the future of the company is 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 strong and stable, you, you know, you've really got to look at it when those opportunities arise. And I suppose um, we've seen some of our other some of our competitors struggle to find capital 
uh, even during this sort of uh, bullish phase of the market we've been going through. So, um, you know, that set us up so very, very well to, to do the work programs we've got ahead of us really for the next year, year and a half. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting because you're right. A lot of uranium companies are not able to raise money in this environment. And those that do have raised enough money to keep the lights on. So 10 million bucks is a big chunk of change. There's a handful of you that have been able to raise a, a decent amount of money. What was it that you said uh, to, Queen, uh, to Queens Road that said, um, this is the one to back? We are the ones to back. Yeah, good question. It was more more what Warren, what Queens Road said to us. You, you, you know, Warren was looking at the story very carefully. Warren's, of course, heavily involved in Next and He's on the board there. Um, and uh, I think earlier in the year we put out some some great draw results. In fact, one of those holes that we put out from our uh, winter program is is in the top three or four drill holes in any commodity uh, drilled anywhere in the world in the last uh, twenty four months. So so Warren was watching the story very closely and uh, and approached me to uh, see if we would be in, in, interested in an in investment from him. So um, you know we and and. I've actually been, you know, I've known Warren for a long time. Whenever I'd go through Hong Kong going back 12 years ago, uh, I'd call in on him and have lunch and, and try and convince him to invest in some of the other things I was doing at that time. So I've actually been working on on Warren for over 10 years for an investment. So I was ecstatic to get him across the line finally, but really he did all the heavy lifting. It was him that was driving the, the, the concept and, you know, he loves what we're doing. Uh, he loves uranium. They take a very long-term view. He's based in Hong Kong. He's worked with Li Keqing for many years. They see exactly what's happening in China. I, I think we saw, uh, you know, as late as yesterday, the announcement of more reactor builds coming in China very soon. So, you know, they they see that broader thematic. Uh, and how do you get set in that uh, in that space if you like that uh, that thematic? Well, you, you know, a great exploration project and a, a new high-grade discovery is a great way to get positioned. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, well, you talk about the macro there. Yeah, two, two new reactors uh, approved for construction um, yesterday. Great. Uh, two reactors uh, announced their plan to be taken offline in Illinois. Um, swings and roundabouts. Um, but the macro story is coming. He likes that. He's got in early to next gen. I, I want to get into what he sees in you guys. If Are you guys just going to repeat the next gen uh, plan? Is that, is, that, is that what you're doing? Is he making the same bet twice? Look, that's probably sort of uh, not a bad way to look at it, I suppose. Um, you know, if we, we always take the view. We, we've talked about this before. When we look around the world for other opportunities, of course, when we set up ISO Energy, part of what we wanted to do was look to acquire existing resources, projects we could build, um, and... Uh, as we cast the net out globally, we always came back to the Athabasca base and we were very fortunate to make that hurricane discovery um, because it is, you know, it's in Saskatchewan, um, number one mining jurisdiction in the world. You can get projects permitted. Um, it's home of high-grade uranium, great deposits, of course, those tier one assets of Cameco and now Arrow, Next Gen's Arrow, of course, which we found back in 2012, 13. Uh, that's a true tier one mining asset. You don't see too many of those anymore. So I think he's seen that sort of potential where we are a little bit uniquely positioned out in the eastern Athabasca as well, very close to that existing McLean Lake Mill and all of that wonderful mining infrastructure. So, um, you know, we're a bit of a unique story in that sense. Okay, well, tell me, you, you just said something. You just said um, easy to get permitted. 
right? I, I'm not seeing that out of Canada at the moment for uranium stories. I'm not seeing that at all. So this is why I ask you about someone like Queen Sunrod coming in and making the same bat twice. There's no, there doesn't, that's not really mitigating your risk profile. You know, be, and neither, neither is next gen in a way. The 53% shareholder in your company, right? And you know, I know your your history with next gen. Um, sh- wouldn't it be more sensible to have a slightly different approach from next gen? Because there's some long permitting times talked about. There's some, you know, billion dollar plus type capital needs to be uh, raised at some point. You know, if you're going to repeat that, you, aren't you in danger of making the same sorts of um, decisions which may, you know, re- receive the same, I'm trying to be careful of my words here, uh, get the same reaction from the marketplace? Well, look, let, let's let's test some of those assumptions. Um, you know, permitting, no one's, no one's in recent years, the past 10 years, trying to permit a, a uranium mine in Canada. Um, NextGen's the only company that's doing that assiduously at the moment. They're very, very serious about that. Um, you, you know, I, I'm still an advisor to NextGen. I stepped off the board, of course, to focus on ISO and make way for Brad Wall uh, to come on the board. But um, but I still see a little bit of what, what's going on there. And I think people will be very much surprised at how quickly that project get, gets permitted. Of course, crucially, uh, that, that Arrow project will um, is is vital for the economy of, of Saskatchewan, but also Canada. Um, you know, Saskatchewan, the prairies, Alberta, Saskatchewan have been um, very adversely affected by uh, lower potash prices, lower oil and gas prices. So, you know, unemployment's a real problem there. And so Arrow Next Gen have got a chance of, of really helping with that. I think the project will actually generate $3 billion of taxes and royalties for the country as well. So, you, you know, it's a great project um, for Canada. And so, I, you know, I, I don't think the... I think people will be pleasantly surprised by how long it takes to permit a project well, well, like okay. that. And I think when it... Tell me, tell me, tell me about that, because that, that, that's really important. You can use the word vital and you can throw economics at it and say, you know, the, the, the province needs the, the, the income. But you know and I know that permitting isn't just based on the economics, right? So there's a lot of steps to kind of go through that, to prove technically sure. that there's going to be no lasting damage um, that, you know, and if there is, the, the ability to remedi- remediate is really, really important here. So there's a, lot, there's a lot of factors involved, a lot of people involved, a lot of stakeholders involved that make that uh, decision. So what, what are you saying with regards to being pleasantly surprised about how long it takes to permit their project? Well, I, look, I think, you know, there's been a lot of talk by people out there saying, suggesting that a timeline for a permit, for permitting of a uranium project in Saskatchewan today is probably 10 years. Uh, we think that's you know that that's not right. That's that's sort of based on uh, incorrect assumptions. We we think it's much more. You know, there's probably a little bit more work to do because of the, the nuclear energy component of things, but not too much more than than what it would take to permit a gold mine in this day and age. You know, <clears throat> watch this space. I think on that one. Okay, uh, so let's, I, let's I, check the other assumption there, which was around the billion dollar plus, and, and thinking next gen's case somewhere around one point three billion. Around that, it's a big number, but it's a high-grade project, so the, the the payback should be relatively quick. But someone still needs to be brave enough to step into the breach, or a consortium needs to be brave enough to step into the breach. So, where are those conversations? And the only reason I'm asking is because you just said I'm going to replicate. It's not a bad thing to replicate the next-gen model, right? So that's where I'm going with this. So, you know, again, is there any news there? 
Well, you know, in terms of replicating the next-gen model, what we're doing there is just following the path that, that Lee and the team have given us, really. Um, you know, same processes, same approach to, to, to business, to stakeholder engagement. I've got to say that, you know, the next-gen guys, their, their stakeholder community engagement model is like nothing else I've ever seen. It's, it's you know, I, I spent eight years with Rio Tinto and I can tell you I've never seen Rio Tinto do, Tinto do anything such an all-encompassing approach to developing a project and engaging with, with communities. So, so Lee and the team have done an extraordinary job on that front. Uh, so we want to follow those sorts of processes and approaches because I think they are, you know, world's best practice. Uh, and that's what will allow us to get through development of these projects uh, relatively more quickly than people think. Uh, and then in terms of financing, you know, look, I, I, I shouldn't speak too much to, to the Arrow project, but my personal view is that, you know, $1.2 billion, it will be the world's largest uranium mine. It's a tier one mine. Um, so a billion dollars is, is is a fairly trivial amount of money for a project like that. It's free cash flow in the first year will be over a billion dollars. So you pay back capex in less than a year. And then if you you know you look at the product, if you put a fifty dollar uranium price, which I think Lee and the team will get at the, at the very least for that project, um, you can forward sell forward sell one year of production to finance your capital costs. So you know there's a bunch of things emerging there, but of course. We're now both backed by Queens Road Capital and those those fantastic big billionaires in Australia that want to see these projects develop. So financing is not going to be an issue. Okay. Well, yeah, and you also mentioned last time there's some US and Canadian funds sniffing around at the moment. Um, do you think they those groups are being held back? Those generalists are being because the the uranium funds themselves are quite small generally, right? They 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 are. The generalists are, are. going to need to wrap their head around the macro story here. They're starting to understand the supply-demand dynamics or is it still just a little bit more work to do on them? Yeah, look, I, I think that little rally in, uh, in price and equities that we saw sort of march through to June just, just sort of dangled the line out there for them a little bit and you, you started to see some real interest coming in. Of course, you, you know, our share price since March has gone from, I think, 26 cents up to about a buck 20 today. So we, we've had a spectacular rally and some of that has been buying from, uh, you know, particularly resource funds, but also a couple of generalist funds have started to come in. So we're starting to see it happen. Uh, of course, you know, we've had this gold precious metals rally that's got in the way of everything and that's that's distracted everyone. Talking to a banker friend in New York yesterday, he was saying that, um, you know, there's a sense of FOMO amongst the generalists in, in wanting to get into the gold space and um, so that's taken us, you know, taken the limelight off, off the uranium space for a little while. I think what happens next, though, you, you know, and, and you talk to Brandon Munro, of course, regularly, and Brandon's so much more uh, eloquent and smarter than me on that macro picture, but, you know, I, I listen closely to what he says and, and, and what some of the other, you know, um, very good analysts in the space talk about. And I think, you know, we're heading into that uh, that end-of-year period where contracting everyone you know, the utilities and their purchasing managers come out of hibernation from August 
in uh, this week we would be in London this week normally for the WNA and that's when all that contracting discussion kicks off and invariably heat comes into the uranium price then and equities typically take off in October off the back of that. So we're heading into that period and I think that will draw a lot more eyeballs to the space. I, I, I think if we see uranium start to move up solidly again, we're going to see a lot of those guys coming coming back in. Look, I, I'm, I'm sort of pleasantly... Uh, or, or I'm very pleased to be able to report that we, are, we of course, we raised 12, 12 and a half million in that financing. Nine million of that came from Queens Road Capital, three million from Next Gen, and we, uh, we put in a million dollars on a president's list ourselves. Um, that, uh, that type of financing uh, left very little room. For, for some some of the resource funds and generalist funds to come in, the president's list, for example, by the by the time it was done, we had six million dollars worth of orders in the president's list, and a lot of that from generalist funds out of Australia and the US and UK. Uh, so there's money out there. There's interest sitting there. Uh, I, I was very enthused by that. Unfortunately, we only ring-fenced a million for that uh, that component of the financing because we could have taken a lot more. But anyway, that, that gives us enough to do what we need to do right now. Okay, I, th- I think you're right on a few points there. I think people are waiting for the Russian suspension agreement uh, announcement. I think they're waiting for the US elections uh, to get by. But I thought the interesting thing, is just I was listening back to our interview from, from April, which was a great conversation by you, by the way. Um, but we talked about John Borshoff calling the, the spot market. I mean, he, he did it again. He keeps doing it. I actually think he knows what he's talking about because he talked about you know, the, the you know price getting up to near 35 and then dropping back again. And that's exactly uh, what happened. Um, but look, you, you, you talk quite often about sticking to your knitting. So let's talk about some of the knitting that you've been doing. Why don't you remind us of some of the grades at, with, with some of these um, intersects that you've had? Because they are quite remarkable. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we, of course, we kicked off our drilling program uh, 12 days ago. Uh, we put out our first news release uh, this morning from the results we're getting there. You know, scintillometer counts, of course. Um, but, uh, you, you know, I think uh, up until recently, the, the winter campaign, we drilled one hole there that hit um, uh, one of the holes was, of course, uh, 33% U308 over eight metres, which until recently was the, the very best hole drilled in any commodity globally uh, in the last 52 weeks. Uh, I think some someone's knocked us off the top of the table there, but you know we'll be trying to get back up there directly. And of course, today we reported uh, one of our holes, fifty-seven. We drilled ten meters at greater than five hundred counts per second. That included two point five meters at forty thousand counts per second. Previous explorers typically report uh, greater than ten thousand counts per second as being off scale. So there's a lot of off scale in in that intercept. Uh, we drilled another hole then um, that intercepted four metres at 30,000 counts per second. So you can expect that those holes will deliver some high grade. And, of course, the holes around them, um, you know, there were there were a couple of very big holes, eight and a half metres at uh, 20% uranium. So truly spectacular high grade results. One of the things we did do during our summer vacation is we took um, a geologist, very famous geologist in the uranium space called Dave Thomas, 
who was Cameco's chief geologist for many years. He's a, he's a 35-year veteran in the uranium space on most, well, a lot of that time in the Athabasca Basin. He tells us that our, uh, one of those holes, our highest grade hole, 34, um, it's the only hole he's ever seen uh, outside of Cigar Lake that looks like that. So, you know, we're very enthused by that sort of, sort of commentary. And I know that Dave Talbot put out a note on us last week comparing this deposit to Cigar Lake and potentially MacArthur River as well. So, you know, it's it's turning out to be a, a, a truly great high-grade deposit, a uh, lot more drilling to do. That's what we're doing now, of course. We've got uh, two rigs turning. And, um, you know, we the, the results we put out today not only have expanded the high-grade footprint, We've also done a little bit of geotech drilling uh, in there to, to test the centre of the system and, and get some, um, uh, you know, samples for geotech and metallurgical testing that's happening. Uh, and we're also expanding that lower grade halo out to the east. We, we drilled seven and a half metres at greater than 500 counts per second out in the eastern part of the ore body. So I can, I can see the sort of, and when we say lower grade halo in these types of deposits, we mean one or two percent. Uh, which is, you know, considerably higher than the average mine grade around the world. So we can see that part of the ore body expanding dramatically as well. So, you know, we're thrilled with these early results. Um, lots, lots more work to do. We'll be drilling out there for the next two months, I think. Um, and, uh, and then that, uh, that'll set, it, set us up neatly uh, to work out where we go next, whether we, um, you know, report a, a maiden resource uh, late this year. I suspect what will probably happen is that we need to do a considerable amount of um, resource delineation drilling. We also want to test a number of our targets out to the east, which look very, very good, similar to, to what we've got at Hurricane. Um, and then, uh, you, you know, that, that, that campaign will have a, an expanded campaign over the winter uh, before announcing a maiden resource sometime next year. So that's, um, you know, that's the knitting we're sticking, sticking to. Okay, and it's going well. Uh, so what I want to try and understand here is you're an exploration company, obviously. You're not going to hit this cycle. Um, you've just raised two and a half million Canadian, was it 10, 10 million uh, US? You pro had a little bit of money. I guess you're sitting on what, four, 14 million Canadian? 14 and a half million Canadian? What's that? Get over, over 14. Yeah, yeah. so that, that, that sort of number. Um, I'm interested in what you're going to do and, and how you measure that. Because you've got two drills going. It's not, you haven't gone crazy because there's no need ah. to. Because the uranium market, let's remind people, the uranium market is just not there. The, the spot price hasn't moved. Contracts are not being signed. There's, people are waiting till the end of the year to see what happens there. How do you pace yourselves? Because you don't, your share price is, I mean, amazing. You know, $1.24 today as I speak to you. Okay, that's fantastic. Since we last spoke to you, amazing. People are reacting really well to the exploration component. But at some point, the shine comes off. You've got, you know, you've got to, you've got to move this thing forward as a development story. People kind of get, lose a little bit of interest and move on to the next shiny object. So what's your plan to kind of keep this interesting without diluting uh, the existing shareholders. Yeah, look, absolutely. I, you know, of course, having a, an increasing share price. I think we're the best performing uranium stock in the past twenty-four, uh, past twelve months. Um, By far. You know, and that and that comes from you know it sort of gets back to I think when we you my very first interview with me, you said to me, you, I don't get the value proposition. I don't know why you're doing this. Why would you explore for your own? This is why, you know, we, we're seriously delivering for shareholders. I'll say just just in terms of um, the uh, 
the, the financing. We also have about four or five million dollars worth of warrants um, that 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 are priced at about sort of uh, around the sixty cent mark. So that money, you know, assuming we're north or north of that sixty cent price this time next year, we'll have another four million, four and a half million coming into the coffers then. So you know, in in essence. We're looking at us having about twenty million dollars in the bank today, so we're we're, we're very well funded for the next um, next eighteen months or so, um, and uh, so uh, we're now I think I've forgotten the rest of the question, Matt. Okay, right. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I'm saying, how do you pace yourself? How do you pace this spend? You're well funded for the next eighteen months. I, I get it, but you've also kind of got a GD to existing shareholders to show them where future growth comes from. Is it all from the drill bit? Uh, and, you know, and, and I guess the other component is how do you position yourself for the next cycle? You know, it, it's, it, you know, cause you, you're not, you're not going to hit this one clearly, but how do you position yourself for the future? Look, we'd like to think that we will hit this one. Um, how? You know, we, well, we, well, firstly, you've got to think about how, how long this cycle might be. And of course we don't see, uh, enough production coming on beyond 2026, 27. Of course, Cigar Lake will shut down at some point soon. Um, McLean Lake Mill, which is fed by that, is only 40 kilometres away from Hurricane and, and La Rock East. So we're, we're probably uniquely positioned to, to provide product or, or ore to that mill and keep that mill going for Arano. Um, so, you know, there'll be a lot of parties that are motivated to see us develop our project very, very quickly. And I think really this cycle should be an extended one because of all of that production coming off and that supply gap beyond 2026. So that's what we want to target is, is, is being production around that time. So we're doing a few things. You, you know, the next 12 to 18 months will primarily be resource drill out, more exploration work along that, that perspective. Now, proven, very prospective La Rock East uh, trend, conductive trend. So get out and explore that, build, build out the resource base. But we're taking a few modest steps at the moment, like that geotech drilling work that I mentioned there, metallurgical test work, such that um, when we're ready, when we've got a resource, uh, we can advance, and we're doing all of this sort of all of the environmental baseline survey type work that we need to do as well, such that we're very quickly to roll into a PA pre feasibility studies feasibility study should the project warrant it, which um, you know at the moment we're we're very positive that it it likely will. So, how does that map to what NextGen have done? If that's your model that you're in, engaging twenty twenty six production of that kind of scale, they're going to put twenty five million bucks into the market each year, apparently. So. If you're talking about doing the same sorts of thing, you've got a lot of work to do in the next five and a half years. How are you going to do it? How are you going to plan for that? Yeah, certainly a lot of work, but that's our job. You know, we've got a team that, that's doing that. You, you'll note that uh, in our announcement of the commencement of drilling, we've appointed Peter Longo uh, as our VP of studies and projects. Of course, Peter was the head of, uh, of projects and studies for Denison and did all of that work to conceptualise and, uh, and advance their ISR mining techniques. So we're, we're building the team up slowly but surely. Pete's only part-time at the moment, but, you know, all going well, we'll bring him on board full-time and just continue to expand the team. You, you, you know, next gen, Lee and the guys there were very fortunate that, um, uh, you know, Cameco was starting to reduce their headcount and let a lot of good people go. We managed to snaffle a number of those guys. Um, and, and, you know, 
we're part of that broader next-gen group. So we've got access to a huge amount of talent and knowledge of uranium mining. Um, so, you know, we're, we're very, very well positioned on, on that front. Um, you know, before I before we started ISO, of course, I was the CEO of Tigers Realm Coal and we built a coal mine out in Far Eastern Russia. So we know what it takes to, to, to build a project in a challenging location. Um, the Athabasca is considerably more straightforward, particularly given we're out in the eastern side, we, you know, we're close to that operating McLean Lake Mill. We're surrounded by all of that infrastructure. And of course, the Athabasca Basin, Saskatchewan is known for its mining uh, mining people and technology. So, so we're, you know, we're in really good shape on that front. You're in good shape with the right, the right people who know what they're talking about. But, you know, expertise and ISR for Denison, who's not in production yet, hasn't, isn't permitted yet. People who are dragging in from next gen, which is not permitted and not in production yet. You know, there's a long way to go is what I'm saying. So that's why I'm, so, I'm, I'm not so challenging your desire or your work ethic around getting production in 2026, but there's a lot of barriers out there. So I'm just trying to, what I'm trying to understand is again, what am I buying into? Because as an investor, I've got choices out there, okay? I'm trying to say, uranium, I like the macro for uranium. I've, I've placed a few bets on, in, on uranium because of the macro situation. Um, but there's also other choices out there which are gonna give me more immediate type returns. So if you can paint me a picture of where the growth continues to come from, I'm happy with that, but telling me that this is going to be in production in five and a half years, I'm not sure I believe that. That's, uh, you, you know, that's fine. Watch what, what, what uh, you, you know, you, you can see what's happening with Arrow. Uh, of course, Lee had the challenge there that Arrow, you know, the more they drilled that deposit, the more it grew. Uh, it, it was a very um, long process to find the edge of the ore body and, and define what became um, I think the, the greatest uranium deposit ever discovered. It's certainly going to be the biggest uranium mine ever built. Um, and, uh, and, and look how fast he's advanced that project towards development. Um, so we, we, we simply want to follow the same path there. You know, notwithstanding the fact that, of course, we'll be, we'll be exploring along that conductive trend and drilling out the ore body as we go here. So there's a huge amount of positive news to come out of the company over the next couple of years as we do that. And then we move into PEA, uh, a PEA, um, and I, I think, you know, that'll be very positive news for the market as well. So it keeps coming. It's, you know, we've got no shortage of great news flow as we move the project forward. And, you know, very, very excited to get out and test some of those other targets we've got as well. The chances of discovery um, uh, are very, very high. Now that we've proven up, particularly that that Larocco's trend is is highly prospective. Well, that, that's what that's what I'm kind of getting. I I don't, you know, I have no problem believing that there's going to be lots of good drill results and lots of good stories. I'm just trying to understand the path forward. You talked about, you know, it's always like pushing the boundaries of the size of the oil resource. Okay, I, lovely. Maybe putting out a maiden resource at some time, but I'm I'm, I'm treated like. What what's the timing? Why then? Why not just keep drilling for a bit? There's under no pressure. If you don't have to hit the cycle, you're under no pressure to deliver a maiden resource. Just keep delivering big results. I'm thinking in the gold space of people like Great Bear, who employ that strategy. And it's a brilliant strategy, works fantastically for them. And you know, given you're kind of the equivalent, the grades are great, the grades are some of the best. It's how do management teams go about making a decision as to the, the, the right strategy for the time that they're in? I think possibly you've timed it 
better than next gen in a, in a way. You could argue, one could argue that, okay, in terms of where the market is, right? Um, so I'm excited about all of those things, but I'm just wanting a realistic evaluation or at least to understand the different things that management team, you as a management team, you as the CEO are playing with in terms of understanding what you deliver to the market in terms of those messages, whether they're main resource, PEA or feasibility, et cetera, because you know where you fit. And that's what I'm not hearing. Yeah. No. So, so look, you know, of course, I think sort of to, to make it very clear, certainly the next 18 months are all about resource drill out, resource delineation, all body, all body knowledge type work um, to, to understand what we've got there. Now, if, of course, if Hurricane keeps expanding out to the east uh, and we haven't defined the, the, the limits of the deposit, it's very hard to do a PA on something that you don't understand fully. Um, so, you, you know, we'll let the all body, the deposit, inform us as to, to how to advance the project. Um, if it does keep growing, then we'll probably be drilling there for at least another couple of years. Certainly what we do know is that we've got probably another two serious and, and expanded drill campaigns to uh, delineate the resource and understand the deposit better. Uh, and then, you know, then, then we make some decisions around how quickly advance the project. But I guess, you know, 26, 27, we've still got sort of, uh, I suppose, six or seven years. So there's a lot of time in there to advance the project materially through studies as well. So, but that, you know, that that's for later next year. That's um, that, that we do, we look seriously at that. Great. Okay, Craig, keep the good work up. Um, I hope, you, you know, those thrill results are exceptional. Um, as you kind of refine the plan going forward, pick up the phone, let us know what's going on results and I know you're starting a summer drill program now so um, you know let us know some of those results um, as they come in please sure Matt thanks always a pleasure thank you for listening if you've enjoyed the interview why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel Crux Investor plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn we really love getting your feedback so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon